welcome to the second episode of our podcast's first season, Scary But True Campfire Stories, brought to you by Dudes Camping, hosted and narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. Thanks for listening, and please spread the word, tell your friends, tell your parents, post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other social media outlet that detracts you from living a normal life. Our goal is to share true stories of the strange, supernatural, ghostly, and unexplained as we gather around the virtual campfire. Or maybe you are sitting around a real campfire right now. Maybe you have a strange but true story that you'd like to share. Email us at dudescampingstories at gmail.com with your own Bigfoot, UFO, ghost, or unexplained supernatural story, and we'll consider it for broadcast. Don't forget to visit us on YouTube and Facebook at Dudes Camping. This next tale is a true story from Brad Oliger, a popular book about alien abductions that seemed to curse anyone who obtained it illicitly. So sit back, relax, grab some s'mores and a cozy sleeping bag, and enjoy The Stolen Book. Aliens became a big deal for most people in the 90s with the upstart of the TV show X-Files. Nearly every store around was tapping into the fandom of that stereotypical green head with massive, glossy eyes and skinny body. Being the eternal skeptic, I shunned those fads and did everything conceivable to stay away from the cult classic that trended. That dismissal continued until I could no longer ignore it. My friend Bo had been acting out of the ordinary for a while, and when I asked what's going on, he would simply shrug his shoulders and try to change the subject. He looked like he had not been sleeping for weeks and had become irritable. All my other friends were changing too, but that was largely because they were getting girlfriends that dragged them away from our customary wily antics. But this was no girlfriend nagging him to hold hands in front of their friends or watch some awful romantic movie at the theaters. He wasn't pulling pranks any longer or cracking jokes. Once he stopped hanging out with us altogether, I had to probe further. I encountered him walking down the halls at school just before fourth period and shouted out, Hey, Bo, where you been, dude? He peered around as the students raced by to get to their next class. I could tell he had something to express, but didn't want to mention it in front of others. So we found a stairwell that had been partly sealed off for construction. He checked the corners once or twice to make certain all was clear. But once the bell rang to kick off the next period, the traffic died down and the coast was clear. I was missing the start of history class, but wasn't overly concerned about getting in trouble. After all, my friend needed to get something off his chest. What's up? I asked. You look like crap. He knew I was cynical and dismissive, but wasted no time. I haven't been sleeping much lately. Ever since... He wavered to think of what to add next and remain lost for words. Ever since what? I blurted. I was getting slightly irritated. He still didn't respond. Instead, he reached into his backpack and revealed a book. I saw the narrow mouth, the eyes, the head. Oh, come on, not you two. This is ridiculous, I asserted, noting the face of an alien on the front. 
the artistry was not of the commercial and comic book realm. Rather, the image was almost lifelike and seemed to jump off from the surface of the cover with so much detail. I loathed that face, but could not help but be drawn to those massive, buggy eyes now beaming at me. The title read, Communion by Whitley Strieber. Seriously? I am so sick of aliens. He told me about someone he knew that claimed to have been abducted out in the desert and wanted to find out more information to make some sense of it all. Pouring through the reference section and magazines at the library, the topic was teeming with sightings and encounters. When he returned to his desk, there lay this book, standing on its end with that face staring at him as he slid into his seat. What the heck? he said to himself, awkwardly breaking the customary library silence. I imagined a few dirty looks followed. He mentioned that the eyes on the book never blinked, but was certain they changed colors as he remained fixed on it for a few minutes. How did the book get there? Being that the book was about an abduction, he decided to take the copy home and read it from cover to cover. Every time he stopped, the book glared as if demanding for him to keep reading. He handed it to me. Can you take this back to the library? I am done with that thing and never want to see that face again. He had a point. That image was eerie. But I couldn't resist flashing it at him, saying smart remarks with my best Alf impression. Huh! I hesitantly agreed to take it back when I had a chance, and for the rest of the school day, the book became the focal point of classmates because I stood it straight up on my desk to peer at neighbors while they studied. They were not pleased, but I was, from their reactions. That night, I placed the book on my desk without giving it much thought and before finally going to bed. My room was down in the basement, so there was very little light that could bleed through. I fell asleep to total darkness, but before long, I felt warm air on my cheeks, one side, then the other, almost like a breath, like desperate breathing. I glanced over towards the desk, and even in blackness, I could see those eyes glaring back at me with subtle hatred. Those black eyes somehow stood out, as if illuminated by a backlight. Those eyes were evil. I sprung up to my desk, flipped the lamp on, and found it was standing on end. Did I leave it standing up? I knocked the book back down and quickly drifted asleep. Moments later, I felt that breath again, first one side, then the other, and heard a faint but deep whisper. The words were indiscernible, but I saw those glowing eyes again and rushed back to my desk to switch on the light. What is going on? I yelped, spotting the book on end again. That's impossible. I jammed the book into my pack and sealed the zipper tightly. Needless to say, I hardly slept the rest of the night, unable to ignore the glowing eyes stenciled in my brain. The book remained in my bag the entire next day, except once when my friend Ryan requested to flip through it. He begged to have it, but I told him it was almost overdue and that he can check it out if he wants it. His smirk dismissed my suggestion. After school, I dropped it off at the book return bin, never to see it again. A week later, my house phone rang at around 8 p.m. The sun had already set. 
Hello? I answered, expecting the call to be for someone else in the house, as I rarely received calls. Fred, you've got to take this book, said the voice. I instantly recognized it as Ryan. What book? I asked. Communion, idiot. Oh, right. You checked it out from the library, huh? How is it? I inquired, pretending to care. The truth was, I didn't wish to know. I didn't check it out, I stole it, he countered. You stole it? From the library? Yeah, he responded matter-of-factly. I expected a laugh to accompany such a ridiculous statement, but found none. It's free, moron. Who steals a library book? I drilled. I didn't have my library card and didn't want to wait. Just get over here and take the book. He lived about a 15-minute walk from me, but it was already nighttime and I did not feel like heading out. I'll get it at school tomorrow. No, he yelled. Take it tonight. It's your fault I got this book. My fault? He stole the library book. Before I could purse my lips in anger, he had already hung up. This is nonsense, I muttered and headed out the door. I arrived at his house, noting the book on the doorstep with him already inside. I groaned, growing tired of seeing those eyes. All right, I got it, I said through his window. What the heck's going on? His face peeped through the screens. So I stole the book and walked home, just got back. And? And the entire time, I had this freaking dog following me. Just came out of nowhere and it kept growling with its teeth. I estimated his walk to be around a half hour based on where the library was from his house. Nearly the same distance to mine. You talking a Rottweiler? So what? No, just a little dog, but I'm positive it had those crazy alien eyes from the cover. When I blinked, they were normal dog eyes again, but he still growled. He was insane. I don't want that book anymore. Take it, will ya? So an alien dog followed you home because you stole a free library book. Got it. I stomped away, first stopping to scout any signs of that menacing canine. Nothing in sight. The route I had to walk was faintly lit and quite lengthy. I had trekked down it many times, even at night, and though it was not a major road, there were cars zipping by routinely. On this particular night, what stood out was not a single car had passed. I stepped into one of the few streetlights that captured my eye with its erratic flickering. At that moment, the lamp went out, leaving the street illuminated solely by distant porch lights. As the radiance left, my eyes fixed to the heavens, noticing another one well beyond the trees, above the tree line. A light stood fixed in the sky. I found no flashes, and it did not seem to move, but with it so far away, it was difficult to tell. I shrugged it off and continued walking as planes in the sky were common, but felt compelled to check again. Almost five minutes passed, and twenty yards slowly drifted, yet that light hovered in the same spot up above. That's weird, I mumbled to myself. Living in the city meant not paying much attention to what's above with all the lights around. I walked further down the road, shifting my paces, seeking the effect it would have on the light's position. But the angle didn't seem to matter. The light remained the same. I started a slight jog, somewhat concerned by the oddity, frequently glancing back to see the same mysterious light. 
My jog transformed into a run almost without realizing, and by the time I got to my house, the light followed with no deviations in proximity. I entered my home, standing beyond the barrier of the front door, trying nervously to piece together what I saw and make some sense of it. How does a light just stay put like that? I peeked through the cracks of the front door only to discover the light was gone. I paced frantically in the front yard in all directions with a fairly unobstructed view of the sky, but found no sign of the light. I glanced down to the book in my hand, giving it a bitter grimace, and crammed it in my bag. I called my friend Bo to tell him what had happened. So apparently Ryan stole the book and had some dog follow him. So he gives it to me, and I don't know, I think I had some light follow me, but it's probably just my imagination, I added. You said you stole it from the library? He asked. Yeah, I laughed. No clue why it's a library. I stole that book too, he said regrettably. You what? That's ridiculous. Why are you all stealing this? I snickered. I didn't mean to. I just forgot to check it out is all. You've got to return it, he pleaded. I had a bright flash outside my window too. Yeah, yeah. I mumbled and hung up. I sourly peeked at the first page of the book, where the library return dates are typically notated. But there were no stamps imprinted at all. That seemed odd for an old library book. I continued staring at the cover for a few minutes and then began reading this mysterious book that people kept stealing. It was an autobiography that went into disturbing detail of his abduction by aliens where they performed a variety of tests on him. The opening portion mentioned how he was at home when a luminous flash appeared from outside. Right at that moment, from my tiny basement window, an actual flash of its own nearly lit up my room from outside, a room that was only illuminated by a modest reading light moments before. What the heck was that? I blurted out, now cautious about everything. Communion was so well described that my confidence began deteriorating minute by minute. I moped to the window to investigate. Perhaps it was just some headlights from the neighbor's driveway, but the light vanished and nothing remained in view. I was not about to go outside either, as midnight was quickly closing in. I was embarrassed by how uneasy I was. I was never afraid of going out in the dark. Over the next few days, I spent every waking moment reading communion, enthralled by such a vivid report. And when I set the book down to take a break, those eyes on the cover captivated me. I was seeing those eyes on everything, people, objects, darkness. I had even fully expected to have my dog, who was sleeping on the edge of my bed, suddenly wake up, turn, and gleam at me with those eyes. Falling asleep became difficult half expecting the terrors in the book to happen to me while I was alone in that dark basement. Every knock and thud that came from the furnace or the water heater startled me. It was a basement, after all, with sounds being so common. I had to keep the lights on just to sleep, and after the next night, I wished I had not slept at all. I was close to finishing the book when I had apparently dozed off. I didn't mean to fall asleep, but the buildup of fatigue left me unconscious with the book resting on my chest. Though I couldn't tell exactly how long I had been out, 
I knew with certainty how quickly I awoke. I sensed a breath, first on my right cheek, then on my left cheek, same as I had a couple nights before. It was a battle to move my body, and I was cemented in place. I felt the breath again, but this time, with the most demonic tone, I heard a voice say the word, Satan Grissom. I fought feverishly, searching around for the source that was clearly right next to my ear. But I was paralyzed. I tried my feet, frozen, my hands, nothing, my hips. Even my chest seemed restricted as it permitted only shallow breaths, all without the ability to move, as if my body was encased within a block of ice. I could still move my eyes enough to spot the book and those eyes staring at me. They were so frightening that I wanted to swat the book away, but I couldn't. The basement and all its normal racket was lifeless and silent. I lay there motionless for seemingly hours. Had it not been for the radio alarm that seemed abruptly to release me, who knows how long I may have been there. Barely giving myself sufficient time to prepare for school, I jammed the stolen book, that same book that rested on my chest all night, into my pack and sprinted to the after-hours drop-off bin at the library. I was so relieved to be cleared of whatever bad karma that stolen book possessed. Yet, I had no idea if returning the book was enough to make all the strange things go away. Had I been imagining the light and merely dreamed of being frozen? Or did that book and its disturbing story have an unexplainable tale of its own, whose malign properties awoke once stolen? Would someone else check out the book from the library only to become subdued by the same dark experiences? I really didn't care. I was simply content to turn the page on those harrowing eyes. Thanks for listening to Scary But True Campfire Stories presented by Dudes Camping. Narrated by Matthew S. Newbold. You can purchase audiobooks from Matthew S. Newbold on Audible and iTunes. Visit Matthew Newbold Music on Facebook or Dudes Camping on YouTube and Facebook. Special thanks to Brad Oliger for the story. Any character's likeness is pure coincidence. We are not encouraging the theft of any books, nor are we encouraging the reading of alien books alone in your room. Until next time, we will see you around the campfire.